The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome in, folks. You're on Big Blue Views Audio Lineup. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Nick Filato and Chris Fum, coming you at you here on a Victory Monday, recording and giving you this episode on a Tuesday. Giants defeating the Philadelphia Eagles, NFC East rival, 13-7, in a painfully low-scoring game. We were talking about this before the show, and I think that the, the best way to approach this one, we, we kind of hit on it, Chris, a little bit during the, the live stream, but this game was just messy across the board, it felt like, for both teams. Now, there were some positive things that we could take away from it, and a win is a win. You can't take away from the fact that they won the football game, but it was a, a, a dumpster fire throughout the entirety of it for a, a number of reasons, and we're going to unpack that today. Yeah, I there's kind of a uh, a saying that goes around is that more teams lose games than win games, which is one of those things where if you kind of think about just the math of it, that's impossible. Half as many teams win games as lose games or yeah, it, it should be split right down the middle. But yeah, you know, this was a game where it, I, I would contend that the Eagles lost this game. Uh, you know, we talked in the live stream about how yeah, their decisions on offense were absolutely inexplicable. The play of their quarterback, you know, Jalen Hurts, his play as a passer, the play of their wide receivers was just bad. Uh, yeah, the credit to the Giants, they did take advantage of the Eagles' derps, but the Eagles also made too many of them almost to not take advantage of. Yeah. But that being said, there are some things I think we can get into and some, I don't know, but, uh, details we can maybe spin forward, you know, for the remainder of the season. No doubt, man. And you're you're right. I do believe the the Eagles more so beat themselves and the Giants, you know, came out and won this football game. But one thing I do want to acknowledge is the best unit in this game to me by far was the Giants defense. So there's something to be said about that. Now, with that said, Giants defense did what? They forced four turnovers, scored absolutely zero points off those four turnovers. And again, you can kind of throw the last or the the Tay Crowder interception out the window because that was a turnover that ended the first half. 
But regardless, it's not like the Giants offense were really capitalizing on what the defense was giving them. And with all that said, <laughs> the Eagles were driving down the field with two minutes left in the football game. They forced a fumble, recovered the fumble, went three and out the Giants offense, gave the football back to Jalen Hurts. And then really the only reason why the Giants ended up winning the football game was because Jalen Rager ended up dropping a touchdown pass. So there were so many things that kind of ended up going the New York Giants way. It seemed like Philadelphia just couldn't get out of their own way. You had Greg Ward drop a touchdown pass right before the Tay Crowder interception. You had Jalen Rager drop another touchdown pass earlier in the game. And I'm not saying the Giants didn't deserve the win or any of that. I'm just saying Giants benefited from a lackluster Philadelphia Eagles offensive performance. Yeah, even on top of that, you had that drive. It started with a really kind of ticky-tack holding penalty on Nate Herbig to move the Eagles Mm -hmm. back, what was it, eight yards or so to start their drive. And then they had a Boston Scott touchdown wiped out by another holding penalty. That one was a little bit more egregious, but yeah, refs let worse go throughout the course of pretty much every single game. Uh, There was also uh, Dallas Goddard. Yeah, He dropped a pass where it just kind of bounced off of his hands. Now, there was a giant in really good position, but the giant didn't get a hand on the ball. It it was really Goddard who let the ball uh, just doink off of his hands. And uh, the, the, Giants, I felt, I don't want to say they got lucky, but they definitely did benefit from the Eagles spending all games stepping on rakes instead of stepping up. Yeah, and that's honestly was definitely the the theme of of yesterday's game that, like you guys highlighted, Giants did enough to, to take advantage of egregious errors that the Eagles made. And we've said that pretty much every single time that the Giants have won has been literally because of that is the opposing team just making really really dumb mistakes Giants offense doing just the bare minimum to keep them uh, above water and keep a lead uh, towards the end of the game and to put them in a position to ultimately win the football game and we're going to talk a little bit about the defensive stuff that you guys had, had touched on but I'd like to take the angle of talking offensively here we had no Jason Garrett calling the plays he is gone he is done instead Freddie Kitchens was the man who took over as the interim offensive coordinator. Now, they only scored 13 points. Uh, they didn't necessarily have a, a, an explosive offensive day, and it's not like they were facing off against a top three defense and only scoring 13 points. So that's certainly not a, a positive to, to see here from the overall output. But I, I feel as though, and I said this on the live stream, that there were at least some positives to the, the change in approach to play calling by Freddie Kitchens. And again, I know 13 points, that's abysmal. That's terrible. But my whole thing here was at least I didn't feel like on every drive they were going to go three and out. I at least thought that they could have moved the ball down the field a little bit, maybe put themselves in a position to score, or get close to scoring. It was at least a little bit better than what Jason Garrett was doing. And I know that's not much, but it's still slightly better than what we had going for us previously. Yeah, I'd say the results were no different. The The Giants offense continues to be bad. However, I like the process a lot more. I like the way they used motion 
prior to the snap to really try to force the Eagles to declare their intentions. They used a bunch of different formations we hadn't really seen before. They used a lot more uh, route combinations to create voids in the defense, you know, manipulate defensive backs, uh, create natural picks or at least natural obstacles downfield that def- basically shield defenders from the receiver. And I think that created a lot more open passing windows for Daniel Jones to throw into. Now, overall, the passing game, it, it wasn't great. It was still a really short range passing game. Uh, I think the Giants only averaged about four and a half yards downfield in their uh, passing attack. Their run game was basically non-existent. Outside of two runs, they averaged less than a yard a carry. Saquon Barkley had nine carries for less that totaled to negative one yard. But the process, the 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 way the Giants went about calling their offense, especially when they were early and still likely in their scripted plays, it was really a breath of fresh air to me. It was. And another thing I liked about it was they called first and 10 vertical concepts early in the game. And I felt like they came out passing the football on first down a solid amount, but they kind of strayed away from that as the game went on and they kind of stuck to running the football for no gain or a one yard gain. So the first play of the game was a vertical concept. There's 11 personnel with an H back and nothing really ended up happening from that. They ended up going to the inverted uh, wishbone zone read quarterback keeping the second play. And then on the second drive, there was another first and 10 where they ran another vertical concept from a reduced stacks, had a switch release, I think, involved in that. So you just like the fact that they're giving Daniel Jones the opportunity to see if you like something downfield and then attack it with multiple routes heading downfield, not just one to clear out like an out route or a quick slant or something like that. So I do like the fact that there are aggressive contingencies built into certain play calls on more rundown type of situations like a first and 10. That was another thing that I kind of noticed from Freddie Kitchens play calling. I do kind of wish he was a little bit more, I would say, aggressive down the stretch of the game in passing the football on first and 10, especially because we just saw the Giants time and time again attempt to run the football and it just absolutely fail. Guys, When's the last time a Giants team, other than like the last like two or three years, has been like this abysmal at running the football on early downs? I just feel like it's a, almost like a, just a throwaway. Like the best situation is if you get to a second and seven. <laughs> it almost seems like I'm like, see, I would big. say when when Pat Shermer was the offensive coordinator, but he was still producing semi better results than what we've seen this year. Yeah. Uh, maybe that stretch of games where they had Brett Jones and DJ Fluker working together because those guys could at least create a hole. You know, the, the running backs, the giants had to choose from there were not great. And yeah, Ben McAdoo's, uh, play calling was, um, bad, but (laughs) at the very least, those two guys together, could reliably open a hole. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, Fluker as t- you know, as powerful as he is, as big as he is, he really struggles to stay on the field. And you know, for some reason, Brett Jones' stretch of good, you know seven, honestly, not bad games as the Giants' center didn't translate into anything. And you know, he got traded, and his career more or less fizzled out. Actually, not more or less; it just fizzled. Uh, but I-, I think that's the last time the Giants. You, know, you, you hand the ball off on early downs and it it it, act, it 
had a chance of being successful, which I think is kind of an interesting thing. Like, it, I know there are people out there who listen to us saying, why didn't the Eagles run more? Why didn't the Eagles run more? Why did they throw the ball uh, 33 times when they were averaging almost seven yards a carry? And then those same people are probably saying, you know, why do these analysts always say, you know, the running game doesn't matter. You know, teams should be throwing the ball a lot more and then flip over and say, you know, why weren't the Eagles running more? Well, to me, that's because there are approximately two teams in the NFL right now who should be running the ball at least as often as they're throwing it, if not more often. The first one is the Baltimore Ravens because they've got Lamar Jackson and Lamar Jackson is actually a competent passer in addition to being a freakish athlete. The other is the Eagles because Jalen Hurts is a good runner, but not exactly a competent passer. You know, for the other 30 teams, they should probably, you know, balance for them should probably err more towards the 60-40 run pass split. And I definitely include the Giants in that. So the I said the Browns. Hand, could be, oh, go sorry, ahead, sorry. I, didn't, I didn't mean to cut oh, you off. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I would say the Browns could be considered in that as well, just because Baker Mayfield, I'm not sure if it's the injuries or what's going on there, does not look all that great throwing the football as of right now. So I think the Browns could be considered. But you're right, Chris. A lot of these teams should be sticking to the quick passing game, quick game, all those little type of concepts, get the football out of their hands. But I wanted to pose a question to both of you guys because we've seen Joe Judge down the stretch of games this entire season be a little bit more conservative. How much... Do you think Joe Judge's conservatism is linked to his confidence and trust in Daniel Jones? Yeah, that's honestly something I've been wondering myself. Uh, We have seen, I think, Daniel Jones get away with playing with fire kind of all season long. Yeah, it was, uh, I think it was Avante Maddox who couldn't quite haul in the interception on a, it looked like an overthrow towards Evan Ingram out towards the sideline. I think it was the first six games or so before the the Rams game. Uh, Jones had at least two passes bounce off defenders' hands, where he just mm-hmm. threw it right towards right to the defender each game, and yeah, you know, those tend to get forgotten about because you know they weren't actually interceptions; they just fell incomplete. But you do that often enough, eventually the defense is going to hang on to those passes. And yeah, I do kind of wonder if that isn't why the Giants uh, scaled their their passing offense back and made it a lot safer, more very high percentage passes. Uh, yeah, that's something I actually want to talk to Mark about when we get a chance to talk to him. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else. 
and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. So, you know, I just, I want to, the one thing I want to wrap up this, uh, this offensive discussion about here is I, and I know that we're going to constantly be talking about Daniel Jones, but like, do we think that Daniel Jones looked more comfortable with this new style or offensive approach with kitchens? Or are we still just on the same page as we were a couple weeks ago where we're still kind of frustrated with what, what Daniel Jones has been doing? I think the the latter, to be honest, I think it's like Daniel Jones to me is it's a week by week basis. We're going to evaluate him. I'm comfortable as of right now, especially with the lack of upside. It seems like coming out of the 2022 NFL draft at the quarterback position, allowing Daniel Jones to to be the quarterback next year, see if he progresses even more. But it's not something that I am necessarily inspired by because Daniel Jones, I feel like is isn't a quarterback that is proving consistently to elevate the team around him. He's more of a quarterback that kind of all the variables need to be pretty solid around him in order for him to reach his maximum potential. Or maybe I should phrase it like this, in order for the Giants to be competent enough offensively to win football games, which is something that you need to obviously do if you're going to make any sort of noise in this in this league. I mean, even teams that have excellent defenses, I think the Giants defense is, is good. It's a good defense. I wouldn't say it's a, a top five defense, but even if you have that, you still need a quarterback who can do enough and not make those mistakes that Daniel Jones makes in order to win football games. And Daniel Jones has still proven this season that he makes a lot of mistakes that can cost you football games. Yeah. I, I I think I am still frustrated by the fact that he's, he's still making a lot of the same mistakes he made as a rookie and, you know, he got away with them as a rookie and he's getting away with them now, but yeah, I'm not sure how sustainable getting away with that is. However, I, I think the Giants offense right now, and we saw at the end of last year, it's really trending towards making Jones a game manager where, you know, you let him scramble, you let him do some uh, quarterback keeper runs, some zone read runs, you know, just enough to slow down the defense, keep them off balance. Let him make some quick, high percentage throws to keep the offense moving and just kind of hope eventually somebody gets loose or you're able to string together enough plays that you can get in scoring position and maybe a tight end nobody's ever heard of or your left tackle can catch a touchdown (laughs) or, you know, uh, in Graham Gano, we trust. I am a little bit worried that Jones is trending toward basically being a really good backup quarterback. But, you know, like Nick said, being in a position where everything has to be perfect for him to be a quarterback you can win with, as opposed to, you know, maybe not a quarterback who elevates the play of everybody around him, but a quarterback who allows the players around him to play their best. So flipping the script here defensively, guys, um, this was a really good game for the Giants defense in terms of just output. The four turnovers that we mentioned earlier, 
three interceptions and the fumble recovery in crucial situations where they needed stops and they needed to get the ball back. Now, they didn't really capitalize on these turnovers, but it certainly helped keep that Eagles offense in check in situations where probably were throwing the ball a little bit too much. So the, the one thing that I, I would like to pose, and I think we're all going to be on the same page here, is how much credit do we give to the secondary for the performance that they have with those interceptions and did just the overall play? Or do we chalk this up as Jalen Hurts playing at the level that he's really only capable of with the amount of mistakes that he had? I would say the, the game plan for Patrick Graham was to force Jalen Hurts to throw the football. And Nick Sirianni, you know, was just like, you know what? That's your game plan. I'm just going to play right into that game plan initially. I don't really know what Sirianni. choice. <laughs> yeah, it was not a good choice because once they committed to running the football and using Jalen Hurts on the zone read game, it was mm-hmm. was not good for the New York Giants. And the defense did not play all that well with, with containing him. But every time they dropped back the pass, I felt like the pass rush did a good job containing him and not allowing him to break away for big runs. But I would say the secondary deserves a, a ton of credit and they just took advantage of a quarterback who's not necessarily fully, uh, I guess, adept at passing the football right now. The Darnay Holmes interception, he just kind of finished running the receiver's route, was playing over the top and was just eyeing Jalen Hurts the entire time. And then once Hurts threw the football, he just beat the receiver to the catch point. Tay Crowder's interception was just kind of inexcusable on Jalen Hurts' part. But you could see early on in that rep, it was man coverage. Crowder just attaches to that player in the flat and he just eliminated any any options for Jalen Hurts. The entire Giants defense did. They were playing, you know, the two guys in the middle of the field, kind of like a double buzz type look, man coverage, something they've been showing a lot since the Kansas City Chiefs game. And then I think Aziz Ojolari and another player broke through and Jalen Hurts just panicked and threw it right to Crowder. And then the Xavier McKinney interception was, I believe, a a two high look pre-snap that kind of went into one high and it was to the boundary. So McKinney was just eyeing Hertz. Now that one was more of a bad decision on Jalen Hurts' part as well. But McKinney also has the range to cover the ground. And it just seemed like from the film I've seen, and I haven't watched the all 22 yet, it seems like the Giants' secondary pieces were just kind of draped all over Jalen Rager and Devonta Smith, James Bradbury, like eliminating Devonta Smith from this game. So I would say, you know, obviously Jalen Hurts did not play well, but a lot of it has to be credited towards the New York Giants and their ability to kind of shut down lesser competition, which I feel like if you look at the receiving core of the Philadelphia Eagles, the Giants should win that matchup. And they overcame injuries, too. I mean, Adore Jackson got injured in this game. Darnay Holmes got injured in this game. He forced Aaron Robinson into the, into the game, and they were p- trying to pick on Robinson. And Robinson did a good job, I would say, in coverage for a lot of the game, even though he kind of got beat on one play that Jalen Rager, you know. Cue it up, man. Jalen Rager dropped the, uh, that first touchdown in the, I think it was the first quarter. What is up with Philadelphia drafting these wide receivers that might, that probably shouldn't have been first round picks, Jalen Rager, Nelson Aguilar, and them just absolutely yeah. struggling with drops? I, they need to reassess their wide receiver scouts. Uh, th- that's the only thing I can come up with. Uh, yeah, Devontae Smith, he is, he can play. Yes. Yeah, we'll just leave it at that. I he does look still very skinny on on the field. Uh, that's something I I still kind of can't over can't get over is how just rail thin he looks compared to pretty much everyone else. But he can play. He's got good hands. He can adjust the ball. He can run a good route. Everybody else on that def- on that offense and that receiving core, woof. Yeah, that's something they definitely need to address now. <laughs> They've got three first-round picks. Maybe they can land a Chris Olave or a Garrett Wilson or maybe a uh, Tyler Burks. There, there's some decent receivers in, in this class. 
but this also isn't an Eagles podcast. So <laughs> back to the Giants secondary, I, I would say that they, the Joe is the guy with the busted up face right now. But Sirianni was the guy acting like he got a head injury. <laughs> yeah, no one in audio could see what's wrong with my face, but thank you, Chris. For okay. <laughs> this is why you folks should watch the live stream. One of us might take a header off of a scooter. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> or, to, or as we prefer to say, steal the last piece of uh, turkey from Will Hernandez and the insulting brawl. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's what I'm telling people is that I got into it with Will Hernandez, which might be more believable than me falling off of a bird scooter. It, uh, <laughs> it, it is absolutely believable. Hernandez will get into it with anybody. And it's also a lot cooler. But uh, Nick, yeah. I, I want to say, though, that I, I thought the point that you made was was really, really good that Patrick Graham was daring this Eagles offense to throw the ball. And for whatever reason, Sirianni was like, you know, let's go for it. Let, let, even though we have a mismatch and we're not really built to go up against the secondary like this. We're going to keep throwing the ball and it played perfectly into Patrick Graham's hands. And I, I think that that's why we saw the result that we did was just overall poor decision making by Sirianni. And, and the crazy thing too, we, we talked about here is that the, they ran the ball really well in this game and almost begs the question of why didn't they just stick with running the football? It was, it was bizarre to make that decision to attack downfield when it was literally producing no results and if anything, negative results. Exactly. And it's, it's wild to me too, because even early in the game, you had Miles Sanders ripping off like a five yard run, a seven yard run, a four yard run, just getting chunk, 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 you know, kind of uh, possessing the ball, keeping the giants offense off the field, tiring out this defense. And they just kind of didn't stick with that whatsoever. I mean, if you told me after this game or before this game, Hey, look, the Eagles, like you need to stop the Eagles from prevent the Eagles from rushing for 200 yards. That needs to be the objective because in the two of the last three game or three of the last four games, they've rushed for over 200 yards. They won all three. And the one that they didn't win, they didn't rush for over 200 yards. Well, they rushed for over 200 yards on the New York Giants here. I think they rushed for 208 yards, yet they still lost the football game because of all the turnovers and just, uh, just a ton of mistakes. Honestly, man, this loss for the Philadelphia Eagles reminds me of a loss the Giants would have suffered earlier in the season. Just, just shooting yourself in the foot, just dumb penalties at the most inopportune times and just drop passes, just self-inflicted mistakes by the Philadelphia Eagles resulted in them losing this football game, but at the same time, the Giants defense deserves credit and it should not be devalued whatsoever. Yeah, it is frankly amazing how well the Eagles ran the ball without even really trying to do it. You know, they were not, you know, seriously committed to the run. I think they ran the ball 31 times and threw the ball 33 times. Uh, Daniel Jones had more carries than Jalen Hurts, even though Jalen Hurts had more yards than the entire, more rushing yards than the entire Giants offense. I was honestly surprised that they didn't use the zone read more, that they uh, didn't use any wide receiver end arounds. I mean, you've got Jalen Rager. He is dangerous as a, with the ball in his hands. Why not try him on a maybe a triple option play, get him and Hurts mo moving and flip flip Rieger the ball, uh, give him on a, give him the ball on a jet sweep, anything like that. And for some reason they didn't. And one of the things that really surprised me in late down situations, like third or fourth down, the Eagles had, I believe 13 of them. They threw the ball on 10 of them. Every time they threw the ball, it did not work. But what, every time they ran the ball, whether it was early down, late down, 
first play of a series, they were getting yards and there wasn't anything the Giants could do to stop them. Their run defense was really more of a speed bump than anything else. And, you know, pulling guards, tight ends blocking, receivers blocking, it was all working for the Eagles. And for some reason, when it got to the most important situations, they just didn't do it. And, you know, the the Giants, I think, have to be thankful for that. Absolutely. And I like watching them run the football. I think they're an interesting team and they use a lot of like trap blocks, a lot of wham blocks, you know, unblocked defensive linemen use allow them to penetrate upfield and then just crack them in the side of the helmet. I mean, they use a lot of interesting blocking methods to open up holes. And when you have a mobile quarterback like Jalen Hurts, you're going to have those backside defenders really be disciplined and stay put because if they don't, they're going to get burned by Hurts. I think it's a unique setup that the Eagles have in terms of their ability to run the football. And it's just inexplicable that Syria kind of veered away from it but hey i'm i'm happy giants gotta win there's there's never a bad moment when the new york giants can defeat the philadelphia eagles whether it be in philadelphia or metlife stadium when they're trying to make a playoff push and they're surging yeah i I gotta say this offense is going to be it's dangerous already when they don't forget what what and who they are it could be scary if they get a quarterback who is at least competent in the passing game. Now, whether that is Jalen Hurts developing, I'm not sure that's going to happen, or Matt Corral or Malik Willis, something, somebody like that. Yeah, I, I think from here on out, the Giants kind of want to see the Eagles pick up as many wins as possible and hopefully not drop down that draft order. And hopefully Carson Wentz, uh, you know, just doesn't end up, I don't want to say get get hurt because I would never say that, but the contingency in that trade is that Carson Wentz has to play a certain amount of snaps. And if he doesn't play that certain amount of snaps, then that first round pick is no longer a yeah. first round pick by the Indianapolis Colts because they have three, they potentially have three first round picks, which is a crap load of picks that can really help replenish that roster that the Eagles have right now. So that's another thing to kind of monitor as the season goes on. But Wentz basically plays every snap and even in blowouts, he's still out there sometimes so uh, i mean you got to kind of take that for what it is yeah i think this is going to be an interesting game to circle back on when i i think they the giants play the eagles again in week 16 immediately after playing the dallas cowboys and just before playing the bears and then finishing off against washington so i think that's a good note to wrap us up on guys giants put the dolphins up next so we'll be previewing uh that matchup coming up during the week Be sure to hit the subscribe button. Enjoy the rest of your week.